Chapter 5 of The Romance of Modern Electricity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Peter Mosher. The Romance of Modern Electricity by Charles R. Gibson. Chapter 5 How Magnetism is Related to Electricity. A Magnet Without Any Iron. A British scientist makes a simple discovery which leads to great things. Some absurd mistakes between magnetic and electrical attraction. How the iron molecule possesses magnetism. Some notable examples of perpetual motion. What happens to the molecule when highly heated? A military analogy. When magnetism and electricity were at first known, there was not supposed to be any connection between them. Then, for a time, they were treated as sister sciences, while now one would feel it more natural to have but one scientific name to distinctly include both. In the preceding chapter, we saw that an electric current flowing in a wire around a piece of iron produced magnetism in the iron. If the iron is withdrawn altogether, it will be found that the coil of copper wire is itself a magnet, as long as the current flows in it. If a light coil of fine insulated copper wire be freely suspended and attached to a battery, it will be found that the coil, with the current passing through it, behaves exactly like an iron magnet. One face of the coil will be attracted by the north pole of a bar magnet, while the other face will be repelled showing that the coil has a north and a south pole. When a piece of iron is placed inside the coil, the effect is greatly increased. We see that an electric current produces a magnetic field in its neighborhood. Footnote. A magnetic field means a space in which we find magnetic force. End of footnote. A piece of ordinary iron, when placed in this field, becomes a magnet. Therefore, if we possess an electric current, we may produce magnetism in a piece of iron. In the foregoing statement, we see a very close relationship between electricity and magnetism. But this is not all. We shall see that if we have a magnet, we may obtain an electric current in a neighboring coil of wire. It was some 70 years ago that our great British scientist, Michael Faraday, discovered that when a coil of wire was quickly moved between the poles of a magnet, an electric current was set up in the wire at each movement. We have all seen this experiment repeated in those small magnetoelectric machines in which one drives a coil of wire round in the magnetic field of a permanent magnet. Such machines are sometimes used for medical purposes, but perhaps more often for amusement. This very simple little experiment of Faraday's in time gave birth to our gigantic dynamos and motors, and when we think of all that these mean, we shall surely not fail to put a true measure of value upon the patient research work of scientific men. Many people make a strange confusion between the meaning of magnetic attraction and the attractive power of an electrified body. I remember a student, when replying to a question as to how one may magnetize a piece of steel, writing down in all seriousness, rub it with a piece of silk or flannel. 
showing that he had confused magnetic attraction with the electrical attraction exhibited by an excited glass rod, etc. Equally absurd was another instance, which happened at the close of a lecture to young people. I had demonstrated electrical attraction by charging a young girl by means of an electrical machine, and then showing her hair attracted to my hand when held over her head. When the lecture was over, I noticed a young electrical engineer-elect place a girl upon the insulated stool, but not in connection with any source of electricity, and then, merely holding a large steel magnet over the child's head, he was quite surprised to find that her hair did not rise to the occasion, he attributing the failure to dampness of the glass legs of the stool. These are extreme cases, but they illustrate a difficulty that cannot exist if one realizes that a magnet attracts only iron to any appreciable extent, whereas an electrified body will attract any substance. The coil of wire carrying an electric current is not an electrified body. One may picture an electrified body as having a charge of electricity at rest in a strained condition while a body conveying a current has electricity in locomotion. In the molecular theory of magnetism, briefly explained in the preceding chapter, it is obvious that the question as to what magnetism is has only been answered in part. This theory does not go to the root of the matter, as it sets out with the assumption that each molecule of iron is itself a magnet. Where does the molecule's magnetism come from? It is supposed that there is electricity in motion around the atoms of iron, and that each miniature electric current sets up a tiny magnetic field. It will be understood that a molecule is merely a group of atoms. The iron which we see is in reality a great congregation of these invisible molecules. Therefore, the iron has within it a myriad of miniature magnets. When these are all acting unitedly, the lump of iron shows very appreciable signs of magnetism, but when these tiny magnets are all at sixes and sevens, there is no outward sign of magnetism. We may picture a lump of iron, in the latter condition, being placed within a coil of wire in which an electric current is flowing. All the tiny magnets wheel round into the one position, and we say that the iron has become a magnet. It will be observed that the magnetic force was existent already within the iron, and that the influence of the neighboring electric current merely set those tiny forces in order. If we place a piece of gold or silver within the electric coil, we do not get any signs of magnetism in these metals, because they do not contain the myriads of magnetic atoms which we find always in iron. However, we have seen in the preceding chapter that alloys of certain non-magnetic substances, such as copper, manganese, and aluminium, have shown quite respectable signs of magnetism when treated in the same way. There is one point which is worth mentioning. We used to say that iron could be magnetized to a certain extent and no further. This was called the saturation point. The mental picture we formed in those days was that of soaking magnetism into the iron till it could hold no more. Now we have a much more reasonable picture. As the magnetic force resides already within the iron, it is quite clear that we can get a certain degree of magnetism and that we can get no more from the iron, 
no matter how powerful an electric current we use. It will be clear also why a piece of soft iron, when placed within a coil carrying an electric current, increases the magnetic field. The iron adds to the magnetic field the magnetism which is already locked up within the iron. We shall be able to form a much clearer picture of the nature of magnetism when we come to consider the present ideas concerning electrical phenomena. In the meantime, we are quite able to step out into the world of practical electricity. There, we shall find that all the great uses to which electricity has been put are merely applications of the simple phenomena set forth in the preceding chapters. End of chapter 5